Engineers, and welcome to Small Business Celebration. We're continuing our series on small businesses that are rising from recession. And our guest this week is Business Therapy Viterio Style. This is Small Business Celebration. Join us as we learn from successful business owners and successful business leaders about who they are, from where their business has grown, what they have learned, and where their successful business is going. I'm your host, Michael I. Roberts, and we're going to learn something that you can use today to grow a strong and profitable business. Hello, Visioneers, and welcome to Small Business Celebration. And our guest this week is Ken Berman, the CEO of Terrio Physical Therapy. Welcome to Small Business Celebration. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. For Visioneers who don't know who you are, who are you and what Absolutely. is that you do? Absolutely. Uh, my name is Ken Berman. I'm currently the CEO of Terrio Physical Therapy and Fitness Incorporated. And uh, we're a physical therapy company that does outpatient physical therapy. If you injure your shoulder, your knee, need some rehab, you can come and see us. We have uh, 14 locations spread across the Central Valley and some people don't understand we also do contract therapy work where we have occupational therapists in the school districts and speech therapists at the hospital we also do PT and OT services at Memorial Hospital so we do fitness training Pilates all sorts of stuff you name it in the physical therapy world the therapy world or fitness world and we do it so when are you guys gonna get started and do something yeah it's uh <laughs> The company has exploded. It has. You talk about in 1998, it was founded by one physical therapist named Tim Terrio. Right. Just one guy started his own clinic out in uh, off Olive Drive mm -hmm. in North Bakersfield. Right. Uh, 22 years later, and we've definitely expanded. We have over 230 employees now, 14 locations. We're in Bakersfield, Tehachapi, Delano, and Fresno. What did Terrio Physical Therapy look like prior to COVID? Sure, absolutely. So we were pedal to the metal growing like crazy. Right. Uh, 2016, 17, 18, 19 were all just boom, 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 great years. Right. We were expanding services, hiring more therapists than we've ever had. I mean, I think we were up to like 85 therapists, which is a lot for this sure. city because that's one of our biggest challenges actually is recruiting therapists to Bakersfield because mm. there's no therapy school locally. Right. Um, so we were growing and we were doing very well and then when COVID hit it just kind of like you ran into a wall which every business obviously experienced right. but you know t we were continuing to diversify more and more uh we had most recently just added athletic training contracts where we put terrio athletic trainers at garces high school mcfarland high school three high schools in delano so kind of that same idea of hey what other services can we get into to diversify the company base and we started those contracts and they were doing very well and then COVID hit and schools closed <laughs> and then that whole thing just got put on hold but you you go through seasons sure. like that but to answer your question directly is what did the company look like pre-covid uh we were really growing and it was kind of sad that we got kind of snapped back like everybody else did at a time when we really felt like the sky's the limit. Right. We were probably on the verge of looking at opening a couple more clinics in Bakersfield, um, looking at other markets, things of that nature. And some of that just gets put on hold, right? Mm. You go through an experience like the COVID crisis and you say, we need to pause a little bit, catch our breath, still be very strategic with every move that we're making and then try to climb out of this mess. And I think what you just mentioned with the COVID is key. You didn't stop, you just took a pause. 
and you were able to go through and deal with COVID, deal with the issues and the problems with the full knowledge and the full expectation and the planning that once you got done with COVID, it was back to pedal to the metal again. Right. So we were deemed early on as still being an essential business because mm -hmm. if you get a, a total hip replacement surgery, an ACL surgery, you're going to need follow-up therapy. Right. So we were fortunate that we were one of the local businesses that were able to stay open. Mm. But staying open didn't mean it was business as usual. No. The, I mean, our numbers plummeted almost overnight. At that point, you're overstaffed. Mm. You're trying to figure out how to do it safely how to put people in masks, how to social distance, how to get better cleaning supplies into all of the different clinics and making sure your employees were safe and your patients were safe. Right. Um, and it just was this very, very challenging moment where you're trying to navigate information overload. Right. And that's what I was sharing with you earlier is the thing that I always remember about the COVID crisis more than anything else was the speed at which it developed. Right. It went from being something that we didn't have to worry about that you kind of heard in the news, but ah, it's not really a problem, to suddenly it was here, and then you're reading reports that the governor is going to shut down the state. Right. And we thought, I don't even comprehend what that means. Right. I mean, literally none of us even knew what a lockdown was right. prior to going through this. So you're trying to navigate that at such speed and say, how do you keep the business open? How do you keep it solvent? How do you keep it functioning? And again, a lot of our contracts really helped us during that time because while our outpatient clinics were seeing this massive decline, some of our contractor work like in the hospital was still doing halfway decent as the hospital needed almost more staff. So it's just this kind of ebb and flow that we were navigating during that time. But now we're starting to come out of this recession and there is a willingness to want to put the pedal back to the metal again take the release the pause button and go full tilt what is terio physical therapy doing to not sink the ship while at the same time expanding with this growing economy yeah that is an excellent question uh, because that temptation is very real so for us as a business we kind of look like the stock market in March and April things just tanked mm -hmm. plummet our numbers just fell off a cliff right and then every month after that May June July almost every, almost every week we got a little better a little better a little better all the way through September and September of 2020 was the first time since COVID hit that our company actually saw more patients in the same month previous year wow so we saw more patients in September 2020 than September 19 so we've recovered the full way right the problem with that is now you're saying, okay, so now are we just going all in, but you live in a different world now. Right. You have to be more mindful. We can't pack quite as many patients into a clinic as we would otherwise, because at this point you're limited just in space of saying, but we need our tables to be socially distanced. Right. So patients are all on top of each other. You have new challenges where you're trying to say, you know, we got nailed for six months with cash flow issues. Now cash is coming back in, and do you want to invest that cash into further growth? Do you want to sit tighter on that cash to build up a reserve in case right. there's a second pullback? So we've kind of taken the position that we're being a little more conservative mm -hmm. right now. Um, I don't think we're going to open two or three clinics overnight. Uh, we're going to make sure that we do have a healthy reserve so that we can handle any type of little subtle pullback. Um, God willing, there won't be one, right. but we should prepare as if there is going to be one. With that preparation, 
is you're putting money away. But at the same time, it sounds like you still have somewhat of a growth mindset. You're still planning for the future. What is the future look like in the next two to three to five years? Right, so locally I can tell you that the Central Valley, specifically Bakersfield, our population's booming. Right. We see, we read it all the time that people are leaving California but a lot of people from LA and the metropolitan, they're moving to Bakersfield because mm -hmm. our housing's so affordable. Right. So our local economy, I think, is on the verge of just booming. Mm. With that, though, comes the fact that we are very underrepresented from a healthcare perspective. You go talk to any of the hospital CEOs, they'll tell you we need more physicians, we need more nurses, we need more physical therapists, occupational therapists, speech therapists, just down the line. We need right. more healthcare professionals. Right. So we have this idea that if we can continue to recruit physical therapists, occupational therapists, speech therapists to Bakersfield, I think the demand is there. So we will open clinics as we have the staff to be able to keep up with it and I think that we're on the verge of probably being able to at least keep up with the growth and the demand that we're going to see over the next few years. If visioneers wanted to find out more about you and Terrio Physical Therapy, how do they do that? Absolutely. So they can call us anytime, 661-377-1700. What was that number? 661-377-1700. And uh, that's to schedule an appointment, to talk to me, to talk to anybody within the company. Call that number. We'll get you where you need to go. Our website, of course, is a great resource. It's www.myterio.com. That's M-Y-T-E-R-R-I-O.com. There you can schedule an appointment. You can uh, contact us. You can navigate our different services and therapy programs and learn more about us. And then, of course, social media. Facebook, you, you can just type in Terra Physical Therapy. We have a Facebook page and we post things periodically. When we come back, we're going to talk about one of the big strengths that Ken has. And also, if you enjoy Small Business Celebration, make sure you go ahead and like, subscribe, and notify, and tell a friend. Domino Plastics is committed to opening up Kern County and beyond. As a trusted domestic custom plastic fabricator for over 47 years, Domino Plastics has sanitized and retooled their plant to produce PPE barriers for your business. Need a custom contact barrier? How about a face shield that is California Prop 65 compliant? Domino Plastics offers multiple style face shields that support a variety of industry needs like medical, retail and everyday private use. Safely open up your business by going to dominoplastics.com forward slash COVID or reach out to them at 661-396-3744. That's dominoplastics at dominoplastics.com forward slash COVID or call them at 661-396-3744. We're here with Ken Berman, the CEO of Terrio Physical Therapy, and our visioneer question is, visioneer John asks, I'm getting to the point where I'm looking for someone to shoulder more of the day-to-day -day operations of my business so I can focus on the broader vision of the company. Hiring for skill and education is easy. It's the intangibles I need guidance on. What should I look for? Ooh, that's a great question. I love that question. I'm gonna break that answer into maybe two parts. Okay. The first part is that concept of hiring somebody to do the day-to-day, -day, maybe to free up the owner mm. to be more the visionary. Mm. That is the perfect example of what Tim Terrio and I did back in 2013, mm. and it has worked perfectly. 
we're kind of the yin to each other's yang, so to speak. Tim, for the entire livelihood of this company, he was the CEO, the president, the owner. He worked in the clinic as a therapist. He did it all. Right. And finally, one day, I think he came to the realization that the company has outgrown just him. And at that point in his career, he knew he needed to step out of the day-to-day and hand the keys of the car to a CEO to come in and run the business. Right. And I was fortunate enough that, that that was me. And I think it's worked to a T how he envisioned it, which is he has now allowed the time to spend his energy on these ideas mm. and the vision of what can this company become. And then he comes to me as the CEO and he'll run maybe five ideas past me. And they might not all be great. <laughs> right. And sometimes I have to tell him, hey, I've done the cost benefit analysis of this proposal right. and we probably shouldn't do this idea. <laughs> but this idea is perfect and let's put our resources behind that idea. Right. So I'd encourage this person that asked this question, John, I believe his name was, right. uh, if he's thinking about that, if he can afford to take that small hit, I think it will pay dividends in the long run because he will be freed up to really brainstorm the big picture stuff Mm -hmm. while he has a reliable individual that runs the day to day and make sure that the things are going well. Um, So I encourage that. Sure. The second part of that question was around this idea that he can hire skill or find skill, that's no problem, but what should he really look for those intangibles in this candidate? I am a huge believer that above anything else, if I'm looking to hire a quality person, I'm looking right for ambition. Mm. I want an ambitious person. This sounds like it comes from personal experience. It does. I, I just think... <laughs> well, first of all, tell us what happened, because this is a great story. Tell us what happened. Uh, you want me to talk through my age and schooling, Michael? No, this oh. is, no I, want, I, I want you to, to tell a story about when Tim hired you and the stack of paper. Okay, so... When I graduated from USC, right. I knew I was going to come back to Baker, so I wanted to marry my wife and live here. Right. And I sent out my resume to all these contacts I had made, and Tim Terry was one of the contacts. So he right. brought me in, and I sat down with him, and he, my whole interview, he said, Ken, I feel like Bakersfield is pretty well taken care of. We have you know, seven or eight clinics here. We have this market captured. Right. I want to know how we should expand to other markets and how you would do that. And I didn't answer on the spot. I told him, give me the weekend. It was a Friday. Right. And that weekend, I went home and I basically worked on a second thesis paper. And I drafted up an expansion plan that was about that thick. And I went in <laughs> Monday morning and I dropped it on his desk and I said, here's how it expands to other markets. And he hired me. And uh, from there, the, the rest is kind of history. But that's ambition right there. It is. And it's also forethought and planning. Right. To, you, you just... You can't teach somebody work ethic, I don't believe. Mm. And so how do you interview for that though? Because right. that's the other question I get. Well, how in, a, in an hour interview can I read if somebody has ambition? And I'll, I have an answer for that. We, I will ask some people that I've interviewed in the past. I'll ask a question that says, hey, tell me about a personal dream of yours, Michael. And then tell me what are you currently doing or have done to accomplish it? Right. And what I'm getting that is I'm, I want to know, I don't care what the dream is. I don't care if it's a personal dream, a professional dream, if it's a career motivation type deal. First of all, I just want to know your passion about something. Right. So I don't care if you're saying, hey, your goal one day is to be a captain of a sailing ship. I, it doesn't matter to me. Have right. a goal. Right. And you'd be amazed. Some, some people can't even answer the first part of the question. They think 
ah, I don't I don't really know. And I'm thinking, you don't have one dream, one goal, one aspiration. That's one negative mark against you. Right. The second part of that question, though, that gets at the real ambition and work ethic side. Because if you have a goal, you're probably ambitious, but I want to know the work ethic, too. So what are you doing or did you do to accomplish that goal? Mm. And then you hear some amazing stories. You'll hear a story. We, we'll hire PT aides. These are people that... PT aides are... PT aides are hourly employees. Uh -huh. They might be going to school. They're physical they, therapy. No, not yet. Oh, that's, okay. that's the beauty of the story ah. is a lot of them say, I'm getting my kinesiology degree at CSUB. Uh -huh. I want to enter this arena. Mm -hmm. I want to be hired by your company so I can be around physical therapists mm -hmm. to learn, to get more experience. And my ultimate goal is to be a physical therapist. Ah. That's somebody that has ambition. I already know it. I know that they're going to school. I know that they want to get a job in the environment that they eventually want to work in as a career. Mm -hmm. I know that they're going to be dedicated employees and that they're going to be ambitious about getting their end goal, which is to be a physical therapist. And we have here in our company people that started as aides and, and PT school, by the way, now takes three years. So you're talking undergrad wow. is four years, PT school is three years, seven years before you're a licensed physical therapist in California. Wow. And we had people that started as an aide, came back to us after all their schooling, and hey, I'm a therapist now, will you hire me? And we hired them. So it's just, if you want to get at somebody's ambition, make sure that they can tell that story. Mm. That what's your goal? What's a dream of yours? And are you doing anything to accomplish that? And you'll hear some amazing responses. One of the other things that you also pointed out, which is very key, is it doesn't matter what that ambition is, what that dream is, or what that goal is. Tell us a little bit about why that is so important, even if it's a, a vision or a dream that is completely unrelated to your business. I'll absolutely tell you why. And this is a passion of mine. Okay. I strongly believe that if I'm a good manager and a good leader, mm. I can hire anybody into my industry and teach you what you need to know for the industry. Mm. Now there's exceptions, right. right? I can't just go hire somebody that's not a physical therapist to be a physical therapist. Or I can't hire a, a doctor to be a surgeon unless you're a doctor, right. right? But in general, for most of the positions we're talking about, I think that I can hire somebody that might not have experience in my industry. And if I'm a good mentor, a good leader, a good manager, I'm gonna teach you what you need to know mm. for the industry. Mm. But I can't teach you how to be a strong worker. I can't teach you how to be an ethical worker. I can't teach you how to be ambitious. Right. Those are things that come from within. So I'm trying, I, I don't really care as much about what's your job history as I do about your goals, your ambition, your work ethic, things, that, those intangibles that John talked about in his question, right. that's what I'm really looking for sure. in a candidate. And me personally, I'm a perfect example of that. And this is why I'm passionate about it. Because when I was first working at Terrio, this was after grad school, after USC, I got taken out to lunch by the CEO of Goodwill Industries of South Central California, the local Goodwill company. Right. And at that time I was only 23 years old, had very little real world experience, had no experience in the nonprofit sector, which is what Goodwill is, right. had no experience in the retail sales sector, which is what Goodwill is, and had no experience in donated goods, which is what Goodwill is. Right. But that CEO, Cheryl Shalupa, she saw something in me. She thought, he, I have to be ambitious, is what she kind of concluded. She saw some work ethic. She saw some other things that she liked, and she thought, I can teach Ken how to manage in a nonprofit environment. Mm -hmm. I can teach him how to learn about 
KPIs, key performance indicators that are specific to retail and donated goods. Right. And the rest will come together. And so she took a chance and hired me as a 23-year-old, no experience in those markets, to be the COO of Goodwill Industries South Central California. Fast forward three years later, Tim Terrio comes back to me and says, I'm ready to step out of that day-to-day -day role and hand the keys to you. And it was the exact same thing. Right. I'm not a physical therapist. Right. I don't have background in medicine or healthcare, but I could learn the industry if you take the time to teach me. And that's how I feel when I hire others. I don't need to hire people that work specifically in the healthcare industry. When I was at Goodwill, I didn't need to hire people that were in the nonprofit industry. I'll teach you those things. I, I can't teach ambition, grit, work ethic, and those are the things that I'm really looking for in candidates when I interview them. You also have a very special quality that you have a tremendous gift about making sure all the little things, all the systems, all the processes, all the people, all seem just to come together and flow. This is the mark of a true leader, especially with an organization, especially in a business that you're not a physical therapist. You, you don't really understand that like Tim does, but you understand people and you understand systems, you understand processes. Was this a skill that came to you innately or was this something that you had to learn the hard way? It's another great, great question. Uh, I've given it some thought. I think it can be a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. I think you're ahead of the game if that skill comes a little more innately. Right. I think maybe that was in me a little, but it was definitely re refined over my career. Mm -hmm. uh, my, my mentor when I was at Goodwill, the CEO I mentioned earlier, Cheryl Shalupa, she took some time to mentor me on that idea of, you don't need to be a micromanager. Mm. And in fact, if you are a micromanager, sometimes it's to a detriment. Mm. And you're not allowing your team to truly blossom if you're just constantly looking over their shoulder. Right. And that's, uh, so I've refined that skill set over time. Um, so I think it's a little bit of both. You know, I do think that there are some people that are naturally going to have limitations based on their personality where they might not be able to completely just let go or be right. able to just completely have full faith in their team that they're going to get the job, especially business owners. because. Sometimes business owners are very strict. I want it done right. this way. This is how I envision it. This is how right. we need to go. Um, I would just challenge people that the truest piece you can accomplish as far as managing a business is having full confidence in the people in that next year right underneath you, that you have trained them adequately, that they know what you're about so you can trust their ethics you can trust them as individuals, you can trust them as managers, and you let them run, and they're gonna produce amazing results for you. Things that you never even thought possible, because they're gonna look at problems a little bit differently than you, but within the grand scheme of kind of the way you've presented it to them. This sounds like you've learned this lesson from personal experience. <laughs> it could very well be. Um, Go ahead. <laughs> Can you give us an example where you learned this the hard way? So I sit on a number of local nonprofit boards. Right. And I will, I will say that when you're on a nonprofit board, you want to dive in and you want to really help that agency overcome every issue and problem that they, ha they may have. Right. Right. 
And what you realize in doing that is sometimes all you do is make the mess bigger. <laughs> yes, right? true, true. Instead of, instead of serving in a true nonprofit board of director role, which is typically governance and financial oversight, that you're there to make sure that things just don't go off the rails. But the day-to-day -day job should be done by the executive director and his or her team. Right. And you don't want to muddy those waters by being too involved. And then you sit and you think, you know, that's probably how I should run my business right. is not be so in the thick of things that we're actually just making things worse right right and that's where Tim and I have some great conversations on this topic sometimes because he will come in with ideas right you know and I will vet the ideas and we'll have back and forth that this is good this isn't good this is good this isn't good and finally we'll produce some great ideas and go after it but then you got to get to the staff level right and if the staff level isn't on board or sees the vision the way that you see it the whole thing's just gonna fall flat and then you try to get even more involved and again, you're never gonna make headway. Versus if you have managers that are competent, they know your leadership style, they know what you expect of them and you trust them, now you roll out a new idea, you explain it to them and they run with it and it's a beautiful thing. When we come back, we're going to find out more about the inner philosophies that Ken has and more importantly, how he makes them work when we come right back. Wow, when your camera guy says, don't edit a thing, you know that was a great segment. In fact, the reason it was a great segment is because of you, Visioneer Nation. You sent us a great question on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, and we were able to take that question to the people who know that subject the best. And it's all because of you, Visioner Nation. So keep those questions coming and reach out to us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram today. We're here with Ken Berman, the CEO of Terio Physical Therapy, and our visionary question of the segment is, Visionary Rebecca asks, I need to broaden my base of my business and become more visible in the community. How do I choose what community organizations I should associate myself with? Another good uh, question from Rebecca, very good. Um, you know, for that, I would, I would recommend a couple things. Uh, one is make sure you know what you're personally passionate about, mm -hmm. because a lot of organizations that you're going to plug into, they're gonna have some sort of cause to help the community usually. Right. So, you know, you can list your common networking organizations. EAKC is a great one locally. I've spoken there before. It's a very good group of business leaders and owners and its intention is to network and to make sure that you're getting your brand or your business uh, more noticeable, more known within the community. Um, I would encourage to look into other things though. Service clubs maybe, Rotary is a... Uh, and full disclosure, he is the president of Downtown Rotary here in Bakersfield. I am, so I've been in Rotary actually 10 years, which is wow. uh, hard to believe. I've been in Rotary for a long time. So the, you know, Rotary is an organization where if you get right down to it, it's about networking. Mm. You go to lunch once a week with almost everybody in Rotary is a business owner or in business, leadership, politics, government positions. So you go to network, you wanna rub elbows with some people, sit and have lunch conversations with some people that you might not otherwise have get the opportunity to. But at the end of the day, you're also serving a very worthwhile organization. Mm. Our Rotary Club, for instance, we raise money for scholarships locally, 
grant monies for other nonprofits, and then of course you have the global causes of Rotary, like to end polio and eradicate diseases and things like that. So that's where I say uh, you need to maybe tap into what are you passionate about, because there's other organizations that have different causes mm. that you might be able to jump into. Um, nonprofit boards, they're, they're endless opportunities. Right. But if you're truly looking to network your business, I would say Rotary is a great avenue. An organization like EAKC, Toastmasters, um, those are good avenues for you to get involved and rub elbows with other people to talk about your business and give them the opportunity to learn about you and learn about your company. One of the other things that is also fascinating about you is that, well, as one of our former guests on the program, uh, Tracy Walker, mentioned, is that you are the right president at the right time for Rotary. And, and, and what she meant by that is because through this pandemic, and we touched on this a little bit in the previous segment, but you're very low key. <laughs> and you laugh, but this is one of those very positive traits because somebody who tends to be very dynamic and tends to be very gregarious would have a much more difficult time trying to manage an organization. How has this ability to be like a duck on top of the water, be looking like as calm as all get out, but his feet are paddling like crazy, how has this personal trait of, you, of yours been able to be so successful here at Terrio Physical Therapy? <laughs> I like the praise heaped on me. Thank you, Tracy. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the pandemic hit all at once, and that meant the business was going yeah, it was chaos in the business. Right. It was chaos at home. The kids had to go home from school and we were trying to adapt and do the virtual learning. Right. It was chaos from Rotary that I was the incoming president and I was going to take over and we had all these big things planned. In fact, for my year as president, I was supposed to go to Hawaii for the Rotary International Conference and my whole family was going to go. We we're going to take this amazing vacation. Whoops. And it got canceled. So, you know, people keep using this word pivot. Right. It's very appropriate. Right. It's a very appropriate word for right now. Overused. You, you overused for sure. It's hard to get a little tired of it, but you, you pivoted. Um, the, the whole idea that I'm, I'm calm, that, the duck analogy I love, because right. maybe under the surface, not so much. My wife might disagree that I'm, <laughs> I'm you know, <laughs> low key. Sure. Uh, I do think it's helped though, because you know, I, as problems present themselves to me, I take it as an opportunity to just critically think through, okay, what's the solution need to be? Right. And a big element of that is, you know, human intelligence and tapping into others. And I'm going to talk to other people and find out, hey, as a group, can we come to some consensus about what we're going to do? And that's what we did with Rotary. Mm -hmm. we, we switched quickly to virtual meetings weekly. It wasn't as simple saying, yeah, we're just going to do that. We had to make it entertaining. Mm -hmm. You can't just expect people to log into Zoom right. and hit them with kind of a normal just agenda type meeting. So we introduced videos and comedy and a bunch of funny things that kind of helps liven the, the mood a little bit. Sure. And it's gone, you know, it's, it's gone well. I'm happy with the way the year's gone. I'm excited to get back to in-person meetings one day. I think right. fundamentally humans crave that connection. Right. That's what we were talking about earlier, the idea that, you know, kids right now, they're not in school, and I can't wait for my kids to be able to go back to school because I want them to socialize with other human beings. Right. I want to get back to rotary meeting in person because I want to talk to other people like you and I are doing right now. Right. I'm glad we're able to do this in person and not through Zoom right. because I think eventually that there is that Zoom fatigue, and it's a very real thing. So right. anyway, uh, I appreciate that compliment. I think it's kind of, it's, it's comical in some ways. <laughs> uh, I will say it's not always easy to kind of be calm uh, 
maybe I put on a good persona. Underneath, it's sometimes a little more chaotic. Just I like ask to ask her. I'm going to ask her when I get home today. <laughs> One of the other things that you also enjoy doing is alpine skiing. <laughs> and this is a very unusual sport in a lot of different ways because on the surface, alpine skiing is one of those solo sports. It's you, a pair of skis, a pair of poles, navigating a slope down a mountain. But at the same time, you typically don't ski alone. Hmm. It's also one of those sports that somebody had to build the chairlift to get up there. You also can't just randomly go off into the middle of nowhere like you do cross-country skiing. First of all, why do you enjoy alpine skiing? <laughs> Michael has done his research very good. So I grew up uh, going to Tahoe every year with my family. We would take a week of vacation. So I learned how to ski when I was two. Mm. And you know, like anything in life, every year if you keep doing it, you get a little better, a little better, a little better. Well, then it comes down to challenging yourself. And now, can I go on the bigger chairlift? Can I go down the black diamond? Can I go down the double black diamond? Right. So how did I get into it? It was because of my parents. Since then though, I've, you know, my wife has learned how to ski. We've taught our kids how to ski. We like to go skiing as a family vacation. It's a fun activity. Um, I love the sport because of what you talked about earlier. When you're going down a mountain, you do feel just alone. You go to the top of the chairlift and you put your skis over the edge and you look down there's only one way to get down, right. and that's you. Right. You can't just hold on to somebody else. So it's a challenge. Uh, it's 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 energizing for me, um, and I like to go fast. So I just <laughs> there's that's the part. Uh, I don't I don't typically ski alone because if I do take a bad crash, I want some others there to help me uh, put myself back together again. Sure. It takes two to navigate a gurney. It does. A gurney. <laughs> yes. Yes. Very good. I love it. Since you've been skiing since the age of two, what has skiing taught you about managing people? When you grow up learning a skill, you're not an expert right away. Mm. You're just not. Right. It doesn't matter if it's skiing, uh, playing a sport, football, basketball, uh, you're, just, you're not an expert right away. It takes time, it takes commitment, it takes the energy to say, I wanna do this and I'm just not gonna be great at it to start with but I want to be great at it because I want to go down the taller mountain and I want to be able to do the more, the, the tougher runs, those double diamonds. So as far as an analogy of how that's helped me, uh, you know, I think a lot of times people, especially when you're talking about developing or mentoring managers, they get depressed right away when they feel like I'm just not a good manager. And it's like, yes, but you could be a great manager. And I know that about you and I'm gonna help you develop the skill set, but guess what, it takes practice. And it's gonna take you learning the ropes, just like skiing, you're not gonna be great at it, but you, you need to learn. You need to learn first by doing the little pie right. down the mountain. Then you're gonna to learn to maybe parallel and do big, wide turns, and eventually you're gonna get going. Right. And I feel like that's, that's the same with managing people, is nobody's great at that initially. It takes time, and it takes dedication, commitment on your end to say, I'm gonna start slow and I'm gonna read some books on this subject. And I'm gonna take the time to be around other people that are really great managers and ask them, hey, mentor me. And I'm gonna run some scenarios by a friend of mine that may have been through the same situation. That, hey, you know what, I'm dealing with employee A has an, a problem with employee B. 
can I just talk you through that and you give me some of your expert advice on how you would have handled that and right. then you learn and grow over time and it's just like anything else you might become an expert at being a manager or running your business it doesn't just happen overnight though you have to put in the time what is one thing that visioneers could do today to grow a strong and profitable business <laughs> what's one piece of advice I could give an owner or a manager to really help their business accelerate and take off is this concept of a shared vision. And I'll explain that to you. Okay. I think that a lot of business owners, entrepreneurs, leaders, managers, they think that they have this vision statement for the company. And just because you wrote it down on a piece of paper, now all of your employees are in it to win it and they're gonna follow that vision. Right. The most perfect example I've ever seen, and it's a very key difference between a vision and a shared vision. What is that? You have to have a shared vision within your company. You have to know that you have a vision and that's great, but the other employees share in that vision. And, and if they do, and it truly is a shared vision, you're gonna have people that are willing to go to bat for you under any circumstance. If they don't, if you think you have this perfect vision within your organization, and you think, oh yeah, all these people are just gonna follow me just because we have a vision statement, they're gonna quit and they're gonna give up on you. So my one advice is, have a shared vision. You're, you need to be about something. Your company needs to stand for something bigger than just yourself and get buy-in from your employees. Let them be a part of that process and let them share in that vision. If visioneers wanted to find out more about you and Terrio Physical Therapy, how do they do that? Absolutely. So they can call us anytime, 661-377-1700. What was that number? 661-377-1700. And uh, that's to schedule an appointment, to talk to me, to talk to anybody within the company. Call that number. We'll get you where you need to go. Our website, of course, is a great resource. It's www.myterio.com. That's M-Y-T-E-R-R-I-O.com. There you can schedule an appointment. You can uh, contact us. You can navigate our different services and therapy programs and learn more about us. And then, of course, social media. Facebook, you, you can just type in Terra Physical Therapy. We have a Facebook page and we post things periodically. Ken, this has been a real treat. Thank you very much for being on Small Business Celebration. And I truly, this really was a treat. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me. Domino Plastics is committed to opening up Kern County and beyond. As a trusted domestic custom plastic fabricator for over 47 years, Domino Plastics has sanitized and retooled their plant to produce PPE barriers for your business. Need a custom contact barrier? How about a face shield that is California Prop 65 compliant? Domino Plastics offers multiple style face shields that support a variety of industry needs like medical, retail and everyday private use. Safely open up your business by going to dominoplastics.com forward slash COVID or reach out to them at 661-396-3744. That's dominoplastics at dominoplastics.com forward slash COVID or call them at 661-396-3744. is a visioneer. A visioneer is a small business leader who is a pioneer that has vision. A visioneer is someone willing to see the world not as it is but as it could be and is willing to do something about it. 
A Visioneer is ethical, smarter, faster, and leaner than the mainstream competition. A Visioneer gives value first because Visioneers are in business for the long haul. Visioneers understand the difference between saving money and earning a profit. Visioneers define their destiny. Visioneers create their own luck. Visioneers surround themselves with successful, like-minded people. Visioneers are renegades who defy the mainstream competition and are ready to change the world. Are you a visioneer? Join the Visioneer Tribe at Small Business Celebration on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram today. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Celebration podcast. Some of today's music was brought to you by Ted Hammond, and you might find more of Ted's music at ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. That's ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. If you enjoyed this episode and gained some insight from it for your business, subscribe to the Small Business Celebration podcast at iTunes.com forward slash Small Business Celebration and give us a five-star review. Also, if there's a business you'd like us to interview, reach out to us on LinkedIn and Facebook and let us know. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Roberts of the Small Business Celebration Podcast, and we wish you a strong and profitable business.